0: You're listening to The Issues Podcast. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. This is an episode of The Issues Podcast with your hosts, Stephen Russ, Tom Brennan, and Martin Wickens.
1: All right, we are recording and it's good to have a special guest with us here today in the in I say the studio in the virtual studio. Uh, but we're honored to have evangelist Mark Rogers with us this this episode. And this is our first uh Tom, I think this is our first interview episode of the season, right?
2: Uh I thought we interviewed somebody else. I've lost track did we?
1: Yeah I don't I don't remember.
2: Yeah we did Brother Willette last season I think.
1: That's right. That's right. We had a few last. So, so we're trying to get a few in this, this one as well. Um, but um, Mark Rogers is, is an evangelist. It's good to have you with us, sir. Thank you. It is good to be here. And I understand that you're spending time at Tom's church.
0: Yes. Uh, we're doing a uh, meeting here this week. Started yesterday and had uh, excellent attendance and just a, a wonderful, wonderful Sunday.
1: Good, good, good. Yeah, no, that's, that's always great. Um, how is Tom? I've I've not actually been around Tom that much. People don't understand this. Isn't that a blessing? Well, that's what I'm asking.
0: (laughs) Well, he's he's a fine cook. I can tell you that. He he made ribs for a a little men's fellowship on uh, Saturday night, and you know my estimation of him went straight up after that. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah, that's if a man the man
1: can
2: use a smoker, he knows what he's doing. It, so. I've never yet seen a group of men who'll turn down ribs like that. <laughs> Amen. Our group is no exception.
1: Right. Well, one of the things we wanted to talk about, and we're just going to jump right in. Um, we wanted to really start with the the um, understanding of what you do. And so, uh, Brother Rogers, if you would just kind of tell us a little bit of about your ministry, how it got started, um, what you currently are doing, and take as much time as you want. We've got plenty of time here today.
0: All right. Well, I uh, I got saved when I was just a, a small child. I was seven years old in vacation Bible school in Soldotna Baptist Church in Soldotna, Alaska. And so that's where I grew up, spent all my life. And then when I was a teenager, uh, I was in a Christian school, and I don't recall um, who was preaching in chapel or really what the emphasis was or anything, but I do recall that the Lord was speaking to my heart about just surrendering to do whatever He wanted me to do. I did not know what that would be at that time, but I knew it was important to surrender, and I did. And then I just began to follow the, the doors that God opened. I would just mm-hmm. step through them. I uh, went off to Bible college and came back and uh, worked at the, the church there and taught in the Christian school, and then in 1987, uh, went to Fairbanks, Alaska to Bible Baptist Church and went on staff there as the assistant and did the music and again worked in the Christian school, was there for nine and a half years. And it was during that time that the Lord began to speak to my heart about a, a preaching ministry. And um, that was not something really that, that I was interested in. I I'm not, I'm not a social person or a, or an outgoing person. I can be very Mm. happy to take a book and go sit in the corner and read for hours and not have to have human contact. (laughs) (laughs) And so, um, it took a little while, but I, I understood the necessity of surrender again and told the Lord, if that's really what he wanted me to do, that's what I would do. And, um, I went to my pastor, and we talked about it, and we prayed about it. And and he said, take a little time, take a, a week, and, and just go see if you can figure out what direction the Lord really wants you to go. And so I did, and I started uh, reading. I decided I was going to read the New Testament through, and then if I didn't have an answer, I was going to read the Old Testament through. And if I still didn't have an answer, I was going to start in the New Testament again. Mm-hmm. And I never made it through Matthew. Um, wow. God God answered all of my objections. I, I had mm-hmm. an idea in my mind uh, that the Lord wanted me to go into evangelism, but i it was not something I wanted to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so he answered all of my objections by the time I got to chapter 10 in the book of Matthew. And so I went back to my pastor and I said, I, I believe God wants me to go into evangelism. And he said, uh, I already knew that. And I just mm-hmm. wanted you to know that. So, <laughs> so that was that was in June of 1996, and in September of 1996, I uh, loaded up my vehicle and pulled out of the church parking lot, and it has been nonstop ever since.
2: Wow! And you were you were not married at the time.
0: I was not. No, I was uh, at that point. I was thirty two i think 32 and single or 33 32 i guess 33 i don't know but i was i was 30 something and still single yeah, And it was while i was on the road that i went through pasco washington and there uh i met who was at that time liz paisley the pastor's daughter at the church there in washington and uh, we began to correspond back and forth and we ended up uh getting married and i swooped into Pasco and pulled her out of there and and she (laughs) been on the road (laughs) with me. I rescued her from Pasco. I can say that. I can say that. (laughs) (laughs) You can. Yes. (laughs) So uh, the connection
1: that I have Mm -hmm. with brother Rogers is that I too married a girl from Mm -hmm. Pasco, Washington, who was also a pastor's daughter of Mm -hmm. sorts, not the senior pastor's daughter, but the children's pastor's daughter there at Riverview Baptist church, Pastor Mike's daughter, Cheryl, and, uh so I came I actually got to know the Rogers through my wife Maybe later that. on. But uh surprisingly I had listened to your music in college. That was not, I guess not surprisingly, but that, that's how I knew of you. Amen. Something a song about some frogs. That's that's what stuck out to me. That seems to be the thing, yes. <laughs>
2: well, now now like I'm desperate to hear this song about the frogs.
0: Oh, you'll hear, hear it tonight. It'll happen. Yes, it'll
2: happen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't tell him he could say whatever he wanted. Maybe I should walk that yeah. back. <laughs> Yeah, We've no, already no, had no, several
0: requests, so it, it'll yeah. happen. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Good. <laughs> so you rescued your wife from Pasco, Washington, and
0: and uh, you also now you have two kids in college. Is that right? We do. Yes. Uh, we celebrated our 21st anniversary, and uh, this past summer, and our daughter Hope is 19. She is in her sophomore year at Heartland Baptist Bible College in Oklahoma City. And we dropped David there in August and he is a freshman there and he is 17. He'll be 18 in February and they're a wonderful blessing. You know, they're not in prison and they're not on the street and thank God. right? <laughs> yeah. They're
1: in Bible college, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> it could be worse. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it,
2: it, it could be. I agree with that.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> so
0: true. <laughs> no, the Lord has been so good. Uh, I Amen. wouldn't, I was telling the people last night in church, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade any of it for anything Amen. in the world. Amen. Amen. What is your, what does your year look like as an evangelist? I, I really want to hear,
1: I want to hear, uh, you know, you've, you've talked to us about your call. Um, I, do you consider it a, a call? I do. Yeah.
0: The way the Lord led you, obviously, I mean, you, you have perfect peace that that's what God wants you to do. I really do. It. It was, uh, in, in my case, of course, I was, I was there on staff at the church, and I was single and trying to decide the direction. And as a single man, um, I don't believe it would have been appropriate or wise uh, to be a pastor or to go be a missionary, because ultimately what you're going to do as a missionary is be a pastor. And um, so that narrowed things down. And my pastor felt the same way, and um, evangelism seemed to be the the natural direction, and with the music uh, ministry, it seemed to be a good fit, and uh, it just, all the pieces fell into place, and I took mm-hmm. that as from the Lord. Do I dare bring up,
1: Tom, the fact that you began your pastorate as a single man? <laughs>
2: Well, I was hoping to slide by unnoticed <laughs> on that one. <laughs> no, I think I actually
1: would like to hear the distinction or and here's the thing. God obviously called brother Rogers to to evangelism, he called you to pastor.
2: Correct. Yes. And and I have no doubt about my call to pastor and I know when I started pastoring, I wrote back to to brother House who was uh, of course led the college I attended and he would he would oversee ordinations for men that had gone into the ministry. And I was now in the ministry because I had 11 people on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so I wrote him and I said, you know, would you ordain me? And he wrote me back and he said, no, hmm. because you're single. He would not ordain me because I was single. And hmm. he, he didn't have any issue with me as a person or, you know, with my doctrine or any of that. It was, he's, if you knew him, he said, I have a principle that I won't ordain single men. And I wanted to write him back and say, "What about Paul?" Oh, um,
1: but and it I wasn't people, Paul an evangelist.
2: You uh, sure was a pastor, if you asked me. <laughs> just short term.
1: Sorry, I'm. am not trying to cause trouble. It just no. Natural. It's definitely I haven't heard
2: before. But uh, you know, I, I respect yeah. that position. I just don't agree with it, and that's fine.
1: Right. And that's okay. I mean, to be honest with you, so what I'm the the idea of a call to ministry is somewhat of a controversy right now. I don't know if you guys are aware <laughs> of that. Um, and I've always felt that God called me to preach. I didn't know until much later in life that it was in the pastorate. Um, I, I've never, uh, I'll put it to you this way, and this this may, uh, uh, there may be some who disagree with me on this, and that's fine. I, I wouldn't make it a source of contention personally, but I have never doubted my call to preach. Um, I told, I told my, my church, I said, you know, I doubted my salvation more than I doubted my call to preach. It was that clear to hey. me. Um, and that's, that's not a good thing. I'm just saying that that's the reality of, of how I, I knew when God called me to preach. Um, it was a, it was a distinct moving of God in my heart. Um, it was, it was based out of a scriptural, um, uh, a biblical sermon that was preached. It then in my life, you know, you brought this up. Brother Rogers, um, there were those that mentored, trained, and observed my life, and they didn't put me on some pedestal, but they noted the abilities that I may have had to do what God had called me to do, and they used that to keep me on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Charles Spurgeon, actually, in his book on lectures to my stu- students, wrote a really great uh, like five-point five something or other and I, I'm I'm struggling to remember the the details of how to know if you're called to ministry. And one of those is that others will know it. Yes. And your yeah, pastor knew that. it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yes. I I believe that uh I I would agree with you. The call is the call to preach. Mm-hmm. And and then the actual outworking of that mm-hmm. is is a matter of, you know, the Lord's leading in specific areas in your life and, and the direction he wants you to go. Um, hmm. but I, I do believe that the call is to preach because if you, you know, if you say it's just a pastor or it's just to evangelism or it's just to this or that um, I've seen God change direction in people's lives yeah. and not change the call to preach. Hmm. If that makes any sense at all. Um, so I, I agree that, yes, I I believe for me, the call definitely was the call to preach. And then we narrowed it down what avenue that would take just by the other circumstances and the, and the leading of God and the things that he had done in my life up to that point. And Tommy, you, you, didn't,
2: you didn't, I'm sorry, Brother Rogers, you didn't struggle with that in the sense of um, the whole call to preach in the first place that, you know, I, I don't want to preach. I don't, it was a it was a, a relatively quick thing for you to say yes?
0: I did struggle with that. Uh, as a matter of fact, I struggled with that for probably um, a couple of years until I finally came to that point where that day I sat down with my stated objections as to why it would not yeah. be a good idea. Right. And and God simply made them invalid he, <laughs> yeah. he just answered the questions. He's, and,
2: he's good at that.
0: Uh, yes. And then I, you know, I'd been saved long enough and in ministry long enough to know that once God has answered all your questions, then you're just being rebellious if you don't do it. So mm. um, I just figured it was my job to just go ahead and surrender and let him take care of it after that.
2: I think of Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the gifts and callings of God are without repentance mm-hmm. and how we serve God can shift. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, some men are evangelists, some men are pastors, and some men interchange that. Some folks go to the mission field, they come back, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're called to preach the gospel is a, is a call that does not have a change in it. Yes. Your circumstances might change, but that call does not. And I, I, I believe that that passage applies to that concept.
1: Yes. Well, this is where your statement, Tom, uh, in a recent episode, that the will of God is more of a what than a where. Right. Um, I think in this context, I 100% agree with you. At the time, I didn't agree with you on the uh, on the episode, but um, (laughs)
2: I'll take the win. (laughs) (laughs) No,
1: it's it's. I don't want to say it's semantics. That's kind of a cop out at times. Yeah.
2: No, I I I understand. And and you're not. You know, we had we had a, a a pretty lengthy conversation about that. You and I, well, Martin listened in essentially in in one of our episodes, and and I think you made some good points and. I think there were some good points on my side of it, and I think that we're both right in essence. That's
1: funny. I didn't notice any good points on your side. That was that was kind of weird. But other than that, I agree with you. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, I, I shouldn't say in all seriousness when I don't mean it. But um, <laughs> this is where I agree with you. Yes, I understand. On that. So, I understand. so then, and this is just kind of you know, basing off of that a little bit. Where does this opposition to a call come from? Because there's some opposition to the idea that there's a call, and, and it's it's among people who I agree with on almost everything else too.
2: I'm not saying that there it's like some far extremist viewpoint. Some of that I think is is rooted in the whole that it's an extra biblical revelation, which it, which we d- would disagree with. Some of it I think is rooted in the idea that there's a difference between the clergy and the laity. Hmm. Have you ever heard that that argument? That essentially, the Baptists don't believe that there's clergy and there's laity, and that that God can speak through all of us, and so there's not one certain um, class of men who are called, who are better, who are you know so-called you know they're the preachers and everybody else are the listeners. They make the argument that when you do that, you're setting up first-class citizens and second-class citizens in God's kingdom. And we're all just called to be saints. They would make, you know, they would, they would go to Ephesians chapter one and say, the only calling is we're called to be saints, which it does say in Ephesians chapter number one, and that there's no other calling in the new Testament other than called to be saints, except for called to be an apostle. And we're obviously not called to be an apostle. And so they would make those arguments. I don't agree with them, but they'll make them.
0: Hmm. So what do you think the, um, is, is that then the main objection to the idea of a call?
2: I don't know that I have a good answer to that. I'm just trying to, you know, it's not something I've researched heavily. I'm trying to answer Brother Russell's question, and that was the best answer I had. And now I'm out. I got nothing else to say.
0: <laughs> well, we we have all heard, you know, um, you you don't have to wait for God to call you to do this. God takes volunteers, and you and you go right.
2: Yeah. So is, that is that the thinking. Um, I think I'm sure I would. Uh, yeah, go ahead.
1: No, I, I was just going to say, I think so. And I'm curious to hear your more lengthy response to that, Tom.
2: I've heard that. And I've heard that from people I respect and appreciate very much. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that you need, to be, you need to be really careful because then what do you do with Romans eleven twenty nine? Right. And the other thing is there are some things you don't become a pastor by volunteering. A church has no. to call you. It has to extend the call. Right, that that's what it is. It's it, it's call yes. it's the call to pastor that particular church. And so, yes. there's some people who take the position that you're not called until a pastor until a church calls you to pastor. Uh-huh. I don't agree with that because I think a call to preach is not necessarily a call to pastor, as Brother Rogers would certainly agree with. I'm not against men volunteering, but I think that there are things that, and I appreciate people who want to serve the Lord very much. I think John R. Rice was this way. I think he said, yes. you know. When I get to heaven, you know, I don't think God's going to be mad at me that, you know, I spent my life getting people saved. And and I, I don't disagree with that. Um, but there, there are things in the ministry that I've dealt with, and I guess this is personal experience, and so maybe it's not real authoritative. But I needed to know God sent me. Yes. I, you know, I think Jonah needed to know that. You know, I think Isaiah needed to know that. Jeremiah chapter 1 shows Jeremiah needed to know that. Needed to know God sent them, and there have been times in my ministry where I needed the assurance, the the background foundation of knowing I'm doing exactly what God made me to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I also think some of the the the, the push against pushback against the the idea of a call is that most of the time that you see men being called to do something in the Old Testament. Um, outside of the call to apostleship in the New Testament, you don't see, you see them desiring the office of a bishop.
2: Um, so isn't that desire part of the evidence of a call? I think it is. I would agree.
1: Yes. So I, I'm good. I'm good saying, you know, I believe God calls men to um, a particular, you know, ministry, preaching, and then God guides uh, in in very specific ways, to the um, uh, to the area of where that ministry will exist topographically, so to speak.
0: Sure, so. I think in um, in First Timothy chapter one, uh, verse twelve is where, of course, the apostle Paul is the writer, mm-hmm. and he says, "I thank God that he enabled me and counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry." Yes. In other words, it's not something that I was striving for. It's not something I was looking for. It's something that God did and enabled right. me, counted me faithful, and put me into the ministry. And I think you could sum that up as as a call, if you so desired. I mean, I think if so. God does that, then you're obviously called to the ministry. Yes. Yeah, that's,
1: that's why I kind of get a little weary with the whole controversy in the first place, because it, it does seem to be a little bit of... <sighs> Again, I use the word semantics, right. um, but uh, it certainly is is something that I believe God has done in my life. You believe God's done in your life. Tom agrees with. Um, I, I, so, g- kind of springboarding off of that into not a different topic, but a, an extension mm-hmm. of that topic. Springboarding into this next thought is how do you how do you view the office or the call to evangelism? in how it's distinct from other callings
0: and ministries that uh, that's difficult and I, I know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of opinions regarding that um, technically at its most basic it's just preaching the gospel uh, is an evangelist mm-hmm. um, in in our time in our situation um, it takes the form of somebody who is not in one place all the time, but is going from place to place and preaching the word of God and preaching the gospel. And um, I don't think that's a I don't think that's a violation of what an evangelist is. Um, whether that's to establish churches in places like Paul did, or whether that's to go and encourage churches like he did after he planted them, or Mm -hmm. uh, whatever form that takes, um, there is an itinerant quality behind it. And that's the uh, direction that that our ministry is.
1: Tom, would you agree with that, that the distinction is is basically the itinerant nature of the ministry?
2: Every evangelist I've ever heard ask this question gives a different answer. And I'm not criticizing you, Brother Rogers, when I say that because I'm not an evangelist. Um, I spent two summers with an evangelist and he used to try to call me to be an evangelist. (laughs) And I told him, I told him again and again, I said, I want to, I want to build something. I want to grow something. Mm -hmm. And his heartbeat was, I want to, I want to get as many people saved as I can. Mm -hmm. And not that I don't want to get people saved, not that he didn't want to build something. It's just, that's the, the direction we were aimed. So if, if you've been called essentially to evangelism to evangelize to preach the gospel you it's not that pastors don't do that it's that
0: right. there's
2: lots of other things that they do and whatever it is that brother rogers however he views evangelism and this is certainly sure. worth exploring and i think profitable but he doesn't have that same either responsibility to shepherd or i don't i shouldn't say desire because i don't want to put words in his mouth but he doesn't have that same responsibility, Shepherd. He can be more free to to be more narrowly aimed mm-hmm. at reaping as many souls for the kingdom as he can, and in the process helping every church where he's at, and then going on to the next opportunity to do the same thing. And it obviously God didn't design them to to be against each other. They're complementary. And I'm not sure, Brother Rogers, how if any of that makes sense to you.
0: Absolutely.
1: It certainly does. I've had some evangelists say that they view that the primary role of evangelism after winning souls as, um, strengthening pastors, not that they put themselves over pastors, but, uh, in the sense that they, they want to serve the pastor Uh, because, you know, brother, brother Rogers, when you've preached here, um, you know, I feel like most of your sermons have been geared toward the edifying of the saints, right? and that leaves me in a good position. And I'll say this, I appreciate an evangelist that comes in and leaves my church in better shape than when they found it.
0: That's a blessing. when, When I first went into evangelism, my, my pastor had had people in his ministry go into the pastorate and into missions and, and all of those things, but never into evangelism. And so he was not really sure what to tell me, but we sat down and we talked about it and he said the, the evangelists that we have had come through, he said, if they, if they encourage the church and, and just like you said, if they make it better after they go, then I'm pleased. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because we, over the years, we had a few that came through that didn't necessarily leave it better. They left it with some confusion and some dissension and, and different things. He said your job just what my pastor told me 27 plus years ago. He said uh, when you go in you'll be a blessing to the pastor and you'll be a blessing to the church and and leave it better than you found it. So don't cause trouble, don't make a problem, don't make anything mm-hmm. harder for that pastor than it was when you got there. And we have we've tried to do that over the years. And my my personal philosophy is if, if we can get God's people stirred up and strengthened and excited about serving God and excited about winning their friends and their neighbors and all the rest, it's not so much important what happened while we were there. It's important what happens after we go. And and if there's an effect that is lasting for right. weeks, months, whatever it is. Uh, well, I recall having Brother Rogers
1: preach here uh, and Brother Rogers you did not know this but you preached a you preached a message on Jacob- mm-hmm. and there was a gentleman in our in our church that thought that I had told you about <laughs> him and I'm sitting a few rows back and and this guy's up a little I think he was in front of me a little bit and I'm sinking down in my seat not in a bad way but I'm going oh my goodness like I had been dealing very very at length and in depth with this particular family and the (laughs) the wife was like i mean she was she wasn't throwing elbows literally but she was she was like okay you know and uh it was amazing how god put it on your heart to come to our church to preach a sermon that may have been for one person and it's what he needed i'm not saying it was a bad thing but it was very it was very comical (laughs)
0: <laughs> Amen. Because you and had that, no idea. It's wonderful when that happens. It really is. Right. right. So um, go
1: ahead, Tom. You were getting ready to add something.
2: Well, I, I wanted to follow up on what he said a moment ago. So, so if an evangelist measures, you know, your, your perspective or philosophy is that the church is better after he's gone, how do you measure that then, Brother mm-hmm. Rogers? How do you decide not – okay, I'm not a big fan of chasing success. I'm a big fan of chasing obedience and letting God produce the success. But how do you, for lack of a better term and to argue against myself, how do you measure whether you've been successful in a meeting or at a church?
0: We usually don't know until the next time we come back. Uh, And and that's usually when we find out um, from whether it's from the pastor or from people who come up and say, that thing that you did that night, that message, whatever, that got a hold of me or my wife or my husband or my kid and, and it changed our direction and or, you know, I surrendered to the mission field or mm. that's the, the downside of what we do is that you don't find out until much later uh, what the effect was.
2: One of my preacher friends uh, messaged me this morning. John McDaniel, he's a missionary to the Navajo people, and he heard that I, I was having you preach, and he said he surrendered to the mission field. Yes, and in 2012, hearing a message you preached in Arizona. That's true. Wow.
0: Mesa, Arizona. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. And so you 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 the you the positive side of of pastoring is that you get to see next week what they did with what you told them. This week, um, we don't get to see it sometimes for years down the road. What would you say, Tom? <laughs> or what they didn't do. Or what <laughs> they didn't do, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: hmm. The old Monday morning pastor's mind.
0: <laughs> yeah. Who but wasn't I, there. <laughs> you know, I, I don't call next week and say, what did so-and-so do and how did this turn out and this and that? Quite honestly, because by next week at this time, we're in the middle of a different revival meeting. Mm-hmm. and and we're you know we're focused on that so your schedule stays pretty full yes it does good it does good. we're we're usually full solidly two years out
1: wow that's awesome yeah. well then uh, that leads us to a different uh segment of questions here that we might be able to to dive into some uh, as our friend who could not be with us today martin Wickens would say controversy um, you travel a lot and a lot yes and you you see a lot you're in a lot of churches i'm, I'm assuming a lot of those churches you are in consistently is in year from from year to year to year um but probably not all of them how do you feel or what do you think uh how do you think the the wider i f b world independent fundamental baptist world is doing what's what's your evaluation of how how things are going out there
0: <laughs> um you know that's a really good question. That's a wonderful question. God, yeah. man, man up! Give us an answer. <laughs> You've obviously given it some thought, and
2: uh, <laughs> we expert. really want to know. Uh, we want to hear what you got to say.
0: I, I shudder to think of what they call themselves independent fundamental Baptist churches will be ten years from now. Mm.
1: It's an interesting answer.
0: I don't know what they'll be. I have no idea in the world. But um, there, there will be some hardcore, steadfast, just the same 10 years from now as they are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there will be an awful lot that are not. And mm. I don't know where they're going to end up and uh, what they're going to look like. Uh, but they're not going to look like they did 10 years ago. And they're not going to look like they look right now. And um, that's just the truth. Interesting,
1: interesting answer. And so maybe an interesting follow-up. Do you, oh boy, now I'm the one that's double thinking here.
0: Um, For better or for worse? In my estimation, Um, I think for worse, Hmm. that's just Hmm. my, my feeling on the thing. Um,
2: uh, can you give some, some metrics of that or some, it's not that I'm arguing that you're being too vague, except I think you're being too vague. When you say, (laughs) (laughs) when you say worse, and I realize I'm pushing you here, but that's these things happen in these conversations. Um, what gets worse? What do they get worse about or at? What changes?
1: <sighs> Think of it as a, a young guy like myself, independent fundamental Baptist. What do I need to be looking out for? Oh, yes.
0: Um, How would you help someone like me? Seriously. Well, I would. I would just encourage you. To be very careful um, in what you in what you try, and, and in new directions you want to go, and make sure that you have a handle on it, and you know how far you're willing to go, mm. and you know where to stop. Mm. Uh, I'm I'm afraid there are some who are trying new things for the sake of uh, and, and not maliciously. But right. just trying to see if they will work or if it's a good idea or this and that. And they don't really have a a parameter set where they're they're going to draw a line and say, okay, if we go this far, we're not going any further. This is the end of it. Yeah. Um, and, and I see a tendency, and I admit, I, I'm old. I'm old now. I used to be younger than every pastor I was with, and now <laughs> I'm not. Now uh-huh. I seem to be older than an awful lot of them. And and younger guys are wanting to try different things, and I'm not opposed to that. Um, but I think you need to really have a handle on it and know how far you're willing to go. Okay. And and know if your if your method is starting to affect your message.
1: Mm. Uh, so it's a philosophy then.
0: It, it is. It is. And, and I see. Uh, the, the wonderful desire to try to find new ways to reach people and, 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 and engage people and all the rest. And I'm all for that. I think we should be doing that all the time. But we need to be really, really careful that the culture doesn't take over what we're doing. Um, Cultural relativism, so to speak. Yes. Uh, we, pragmatism can be very dangerous. Ah, uh, there's Tom's um, favorite word. You just, you know, but but it works, and they came, and that's, mm-hmm. it's almost a drug that says, "Well, let's do it again, then," because we gotta, yeah, we gotta get them back in the door again, and and after all, we're just trying to reach as many people as we can, and that's a good motive. And and I, I was telling somebody last night, uh, it may have been at lunch yesterday, uh, in our little town where we have a home in Franklin, Kentucky, just a little bitty town, nine thousand people and quiet little spot, and the Presbyterian Church in town is sponsoring this coming weekend a beer and hymn sing, and they're having these craft breweries bring in these, these craft beers, and, and they say, come and sing your favorite ecumenical hymns, and try our, our artisan craft beers, and if you have a drum, bring your drum, because we're going to have a drum circle well, now we're Ooh. talking heathenism here, and this oh. is the Presbyterian Church doing this. Uh, and we used to joke about if you want a big day, have Beer Sunday and have them all come in. Well, that's what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it used to be a joke, and and that's what yeah. they're doing this weekend uh, in our little tiny town in the middle of the Bible Belt. Yes, and I'm familiar used, with that so area.
2: Yeah. So your argument. Your argument then is not obviously that independent Baptists are where the Presbyterians are, right? It's that too many of them have embraced the thinking that has taken the Presbyterians where the Presbyterians are. Exactly. Okay. So well this said. is this is this is fascinating to me because Brother Russ knows me pretty well at this point. I would have said that that <laughs> is the biggest disease in the Independent Baptist movement, and that is actually more advanced in the contemporary world and more yes. advanced in the liberal world. And I don't travel, obviously, like you do, and it's fascinating to me that you're essentially saying that is the same disease that I see, but you see it in more places, if that makes sense.
0: It's more widespread than you would imagine. Okay.
2: So, Brother Russ, how do you, to flip this back around to you, because I know you and I have had not arguments, but healthy discussions about – using different avenues to advance the kingdom and reach people for the cause of Christ. And it's one of the reasons I wanted you, I, don't, I think I've told you this before, but the rest, that I wanted you in my life because you're good for me that way. You push me about that <laughs> mm-hmm. and I need that. But sure. you have you have fenced that in or reined that in.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So again, to go back to your question to younger men, and you're sort of on the edge of that, but what, what would you say to younger men as <laughs> still being on the top edge of younger men? How how have you fenced that in? Being creative, being driven by, you know, let let let's let's get the gospel out and reach people, but not compromise because mm-hmm. you haven't compromised.
1: So yeah, I, I appreciated the answer because it was more along the lines of the heart, you know, keep thy heart with all diligence out of it are yeah. the issues of life. That's our verse. Huh. Yeah. So so, in the, in the sense that someone is willing to step out and do something innovative for the sake of the gospel, you know, I support that. We do that. Mm-hmm. Some would say that we're not innovative at all because we don't go to the extreme that others do. Others would say, you know, wow, they're too innovative and and I'm okay with people on both sides of that, how they feel about me. Um, I think where Paul was at is he said, all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. Yes. And so, you have to set the the issue at first, what is lawful? Okay, there's some things that are clearly in scripture prohibited, I would argue that having a beer Sunday is clearly prohibited in scripture. <laughs> Amen. Okay. So, so we're not, you know, I'm not going to have an issue to, uh, by the, well, by the grace of God, I would never have that issue of having a beer, a beer Sunday. Um, uh, that is an interesting beer, beer and him saying, I've never, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's just yeah, really, really crazy. Um, but then, then I go to the, to the wording of, You know there are things that are lawful, but they're not expedient. And there are some things that we don't do at our church, not because they're wrong to do uh, as far as inherently sinful, but because they would put us on a path of always pursuing things that we would never be able to measure up to. And and one of those things is if you ever try to compete with the world, you're never going to be as good as them. Your sound system's never going to sound as good as theirs. Your concert's never going to be as smooth as theirs. Uh, Your band is never going to be as professional as theirs. And by the way, Brother Rogers, you would know this. I would know this because we work with professional musicians out of Nashville to help us produce some of our music. And the thing they hate the most are church musicians coming in and telling them how to run their sessions. Yep. They call it playing stupid Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the bass player from the church shows up at at the studio and tells the bass player from Nashville how to play because the bass player at church goes crazy up there on the platform. And the bass player at Nashville doesn't do that. It's not real music. I'm sorry, sure. I'm chasing a rabbit, but it, it, it applies. Okay. So there's some things that, okay, and church is always going to be somewhat cringy to to the world because there are things that we do that are going to be like, oh, why do they do that? And I'm okay with some of that. I'm not okay with shooting myself in the foot. Yeah, Yes. <laughs> you know, and I don't gauge my, again, there's that word success of an event or an outreach based on what pastor so-and-so in another state thinks because he saw that I put it on Facebook. I gauge it based on the response that I receive in many cases from the community, uh, not pragmatically to where we're, we're always trying to you know please man, but I think about Paul being all things to all men. And when we have a community day here at our church on a Sunday afternoon and our uh, city council representative is here and public school officials are here and they are thanking us because we're building relationships with their people and their community. I think that's successful because we preach the gospel to them. Yes. Okay. Um,
2: so I don't know if that answers the question or not, Tom, Pastor uh, Brennan. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think it does. Um, because how you, how you fence that in, you leave yourself a lot of room inside that fence. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not criticizing you with that statement. You you fence it in thoughtfully. You're not going to try to be like the world, but without mm-hmm. with that as being your barrier, there's a lot of room then to 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 do a lot of things.
1: We're we're not going to be like the world, but we are in this world. Our address is thirty six thirty five Pollock Avenue in Evansville, Indiana, and people know where that's at. Right. And we want. I heard a an old an old Southern Baptist pastor gave me some great advice. Uh, he was actually an, an evangelist. He said, when people drive past your church, they ought to duck or pucker. In other words, it ought to be a, there ought to be some emotion. And I thought, that's not bad, somewhat pragmatic advice, that people ought to drive past my church and feel something. There ought to be some that's exposure, yeah. some, some uh, touch that we've had on their lives in this community yes. that causes them to feel a certain way. Uh, and that needs to be to the good or to the bad in some cases.
2: Mm -hmm. So to circle back then to you, brother Rogers, is this different? How you, how you see the wider independent Baptist orbit? Is it, is it substantially different than how it was when you started almost 30 years ago?
0: Uh, It is, uh, it is different uh, over that period of time. I think mostly because there has been a shift in generations like I said when I started, I was I was always younger than the pastor, and now uh, most of the time I'm older than the pastor, and so now you have a different generation of young men who are leading churches, and I think they just have a little bit different philosophy. Um, not necessarily that it's all bad, just that they need to be careful how far that philosophy takes them. Mm. Uh, you, the, there's a, a desire in some quarters to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and if they did it, you know, 50 years ago, well, then we're certainly not going to do it that way because they were wrong about everything. Well, they weren't mm-hmm. wrong about everything. Right. They, mm-hmm. they maybe had some excesses in some areas and maybe some mm-hmm. blind spots here and there, and and it was a different time culturally, of course, and and they did things a little bit differently but not everything they did was bad and wrong. And we ought not throw those things away. Amen. I agree with that. Can I add something to that? Mm
1: -hmm. We had an event here recently where on a Sunday afternoon, we had a, an outdoor carnival festival, whatever you want to call it, harvest festival. And, and then we um, pulled everybody away from all of the, the, the festival stuff to the center of the field Had a stage set up. We did a, a service. We presented the gospel. We did all of that, and um, we were talking about that afterwards as a team and as a, as a staff and all of that. And I was talking actually with my uncle about it. Um, and one of the one of the things that I said, I said, well, you know, I said back in the day we used to use events to build our churches. I said I don't believe in that because I think the way you build people is through relationships. So we use our events, and we do a lot of, um, and Tom kind of. Uh, uh, your expression changed just ever so slightly <laughs> when I said that, so I, maybe I need <laughs> maybe I need, I need to come back to what I just said. But I just saw his eyes do the hmm, mm. I have something to say about this, and it's coming. <laughs> um, we I don't I no longer measure our events' successes by uh, how many people we had on the bus or how many people we have in church the next Sunday. I don't tell people our church runs the number of people that we have at our events as some uh, have yes. done in the past.
2: Yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. Tom, I knew you're, now I got Tom <laughs> back on my team. <laughs> um, so we had about 800 people here. We had, we had about 800 people here on that event day. Uh, our church runs about 3, 350, somewhere in between three, right now between 3.30 and 3.50. And, and th- I measured that. Obviously, we wanted to see souls saved. I'm never going to apologize for that being a goal.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But then I measured it also by the number of people who got involved to serve by the... Type of people who came to our church. They were from our neighborhood. They were representatives of our area. They were influential people in our area. And that shows that we're having an influence in our, in our area of Evansville, Indiana. So the number of people involved, the people who, who attended, the demographic of what all that looked like, as well as the number of souls that were saved, those are all metrics that I use. So instead of using events to build our church, uh, and I don't want to say I don't care that those people ever come back to our church, but I care more about the relationships that are built because I I tend to think that in this generation and day, you have to touch someone's life for the good probably a several times before you may be able to draw them in to uh, making a decision to receive Christ and then a life of discipleship for the Lord. And those are our primary emphasis in our church is evangelism and discipleship. That's the Great Commission. So anyway, that's, I wanted to add that because I feel like the old school did those things very well and I don't want to lose that. I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. That's where that ties into what you all were saying. Um, I just want to make sure that my heart and focus and my uh, my purpose mm-hmm. is is right in it.
2: So you've said right. that very well and, and I, I appreciate that very much. So let me take this whole this whole thing with Brother Rogers and flip it to the other side of the of the coin, so to speak. What gives you encouragement or hope? Okay, Jesus is our hope. <laughs> but what gives you um, encouragement as you travel and you're in different churches? What warms your heart that you see that mm-hmm. encourages you about about the next generation and about churches going forward?
0: Well, uh, let me let me preface it by saying um, I I hear, you know, from time to time about new independent fundamental Baptists and, you know, this and that and the other thing. I don't believe there's there's new independent Baptists and old independent Baptists. I believe there are good independent Baptists and bad independent Baptists. And the good ones uh, follow Bible principles and the bad ones don't. It doesn't matter if you're, you know, you've been in ministry for ten years and you're forty years old, or you've been in ministry for sixty years and you're eighty years old. Um, there's just the good and the bad, and the difference is the ones that follow Bible principles; those are good, and the ones that don't are bad. Um, what encourages me is that I'm seeing uh, more more churches being more concerned about the Bible principle that's underlying what they're doing than just the action. And and I've preached on it a lot, and I've harped on it a lot over and over and over. It's not enough just to tell people, do this, don't do that, this, that, good, bad. You Go to the Bible. We live according to Bible principle. Find it in the Word of God. Make that principle your own. And if you come up with just a slightly different, You know, uh, outworking of that principle than I do. Uh, I'm not going to fault you for that because you're living according to Bible principles, and I'm seeing more and more of that, and that's encouraging. Amen.
2: That's uh, again, that's a very interesting answer because it tracks with the conversations I've had. um, I want to be respectful to to the past generation. Uh, I don't want to throw the baby out of the bathwater. That's the whole point of schizophrenic is this is the stuff we don't do right. Don't get rid of it. Yes. Um, but one of the things that I think that the younger preachers that I know do better than the, than the, and it's not an age thing. It's just a, a weakness thing. One of the things I think younger men largely do better than the generation before me did is they're more motivated by, I want to do what God says in the Bible Rather Amen. than what is going to get me right. the biggest result, which is interesting because you just said pragmatism is a huge problem and it is. But the flip side of that is because it is a huge problem, there are more and more solid men of all ages and experiences who see that and they're counterbalancing that yes. with that that desire that, that they have in their heart and, and they're trying to instill in their churches of – we're going to do right and be right and follow the word of God, regardless Amen. of how it turns out. And that's the kind of thing I think st- will stand the test of time. And this is why, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Brother Rogers. This is why yeah. I'm maybe not quite as negative that as some people might think I am. My reputation can be a little more negative than I am in person. <laughs> um, uh, uh, <laughs> but, but I see so many things like that. That will tell me they will build churches and they will build ministries and they will build lives and families and marriages yes. and children who will stand the gale force winds that are coming mm-hmm. in, in the coming secular slash pagan America. Right. And, Absolutely. And so it may not be as big as it was in the 70s, so to speak, but it will be – I'm not trying to predict it, but I think you see what I'm trying to say. They'll build something that will stand regardless of what's happening in our society.
1: Yes. I would I would want to just confirm what you said Tom being a young ministry uh individual that you are far less negative than your reputation and I say that to your credit. <laughs> as I said too, it's coming out of my mouth and I'm thinking that doesn't sound right. But that you said it. No, but you said uh-huh. it. I would agree with what you said that you have a lot of hope, you're very hopeful. Um obviously brother Rogers you do as well because of what you're seeing and um you know, I want to be part of that generation. The Bible says mm-hmm. David served his generation by the will of God. Mm-hmm. I want to serve my generation by the will of God. I want no, to man. accept the no, fact man. that there are unique but not new challenges to serving my generation, um, and that's that's a burden of mine because I don't pastor uh, a church that has a narrow demographic. We have a very wide age group demographic in our church, yes. and we have children everywhere. We have uh, people who are who are senior saints everywhere. We have we have young families. And it's a challenge across the board to be a pastor today. I mean, it always, I, I have older pastors now, my grandfather being one of them. The other day he walked in and he goes, good grief, man. I'm glad I got out when I did. <laughs> <laughs> but he was totally joking. And so don't don't think, you know, if someone's listening and they, they love my grandfather, don't think that he was <laughs> being, you know, a quitter because my grandfather's no quitter. Uh, but he he was acknowledging, man, that you all are pastoring in a different day. Yeah. Your father-in-law, brother, Brother Rogers said that to me oh yes. he said he said it's harder to knock doors now than it was 30 years ago
0: I agree he with said that, too. that much harder yes
1: and I was just glad he said it because you listen to some guys and you're like well, it's just the same it's like no it's not the same <laughs> We have a different world um, it, we're, we're we're getting closer and closer to the the coming of of Jesus Christ yes we are and mm-hmm. with that you know Tom you mentioned the pagan America we're very much there. In so many ways mm-hmm. um, so I appreciate that i, I have, we have one more question before we close it down because we've come to the end here but Brother Rogers you're an evangelist you're you're two years out scheduled that's that's very encouraging to hear what would you counsel someone a young man considering evangelism as a ministry how would you how would you advise him if you just had to thirty seconds or so to say this is what I would tell you what would that be
0: I would say uh, get in it long-term, mm-hmm. uh, have in your mind, you're going to stick with it and then be willing to go as far as you need to go. Uh, don't, don't limit yourself. I, I run into guys sometimes that are going to go into evangelism and they want everything within a hundred mile radius, you know, this week. <laughs> and uh, you might as well just put that out of your mind or you're going to have a very short lived ministry. You be willing to go where they want you to go. And if you can physically be there, go, Sure. I mean, that's what you're signing up for. So go, you know, that's just do it. <laughs> just do it. Yeah. I love it. Uh,
1: that's, yeah, that is that is the kind of advice
0: that, that we need. Yeah. And, and you can't sit around and complain that you don't have meetings if you're not willing to drive 200 miles that direction. Uh, mm. Get up and go. I mean, that's what you're in it for to go and preach and, and do what God's called you to do.
2: Amen. Tom, any final that, thoughts?
0: That's my kind, gentle advice. Just do it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I, my final thought would be, I, I would just encourage men who are listening, and this is not a podcast aimed at pastors, of course, but we are pastors and we have a lot of pastors that listen. Use evangelists. Uh, that's my advice. I, I went through a, a, a season, I talked to Brother Rogers about this briefly, and but I went through a season where for about 15 years, I didn't for a variety of reasons and I got convicted about it. I got convicted that I was arrogant and I was I was not using what God had given as a gift to the church. And um, so I would encourage men who are listening, uh, find evangelists or two or three that you can build a good relationship with and use them to help your church. God, That's how God designed it.
1: Amen. Well, thank you, Brother Rogers, for coming on today. You are welcome.
0: I have enjoyed it very much.
1: God bless you, and and we appreciate you and your family, and we appreciate all of our listeners. Love to hear your feedback. If you have time to shoot us a message, uh, let us know what you think about this episode. Thank you.